Hello everyone and welcome to the Healing My Earth, Healing Me podcast, the podcast where we explore different concepts and ideas on how our actions are affecting our environment and how that goes back to our own health and well-being. Hello everyone, I'm really excited to share this episode with you. So this episode's with Blake Cassidy. So Blake Cassidy is from Matter and Blake and I met through my work. You might remember me mentioning the startup bootcamp that we run last in last week's episode. And that's the first time that we met in person. Before that, we've exchanged emails um, to organize a bootcamp. And yeah, Blake is based over in Perth. And he's got background in urban regional planning, city design, and also in blockchain. So yes, this episode is titled Waste Matters. And the name of the company that he's co-founder and director at is Matter. So Matter is a platform that measures waste and carbon outputs in households, businesses, and communities. Their platform uses IoT, so that's Internet of Things, and Big Data. And that's to bring efficiencies to the waste chain and helps everyone meet their sustainability targets. So one of the things that I love that Blake says is, do you actually know what's in your bin? Do you actually know how much is it? meant to be recycled is it actually meant to be there or could it could it have been composted and that's one of the things that i started doing is starting a waste count um although there's still some knowledge gaps there and if i just had this device that they have which is really compact and small actually so you could literally put it on your bin i saw a prototype um when we met up with him earlier in the year yeah, it would be so good to have that device in every household so we'd actually know how much waste we produce, what type of waste, and yeah, whatever else they can measure. All right, so without further ado, here's the episode with Blake. Welcome, Blake. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And I'd love to start with your why. Why are you in this field of work and why are you passionate, really passionate about this? Yeah, good question. So, um, my, my background's in urban planning and I studied here in Western Australia and also studied over in Sweden. I wanted to learn or understand more about sustainable cities and, and smart cities. So I studied in Stockholm there and, and noticed really a lot of differences between the cities uh, here in Australia and the cities in Europe, particularly around the culture of sustainability and waste and, and energy and really learned quite a lot there. They had suburbs that had been almost completely off grid for, for 20 years, you know, recycling everything and, and using all their, their waste for energy to, to fuel their public transport systems and, and collecting renewables. And I just thought, you know, these guys are so far ahead. Um, they're doing so well. Why can't, why aren't we doing this? You know, it just, seems so clear and obvious and and the technology is proven so yeah I I came back to Australia and finished my degree and and realized that there were no there was no jobs in sustainable urban planning here in Australia it seemed to be it didn't even seem to be an industry Uh, it was a very very niche area Um, I was I was fortunate enough to to get a job in uh, as a research um, student in China, so I worked worked out of Shanghai with a Chinese urban planning and urban design firm, 
and our, our mandate was to help rural communities uh, move away from unsustainable land use practices to more sustainable practices like uh, ecotourism. So we spent a lot of our time going out to regional areas where the factories had been shut down because they were polluting too much. And this often destroyed the local economy. And we were there to see, you know, what sort of urban development could we do to bring, you know, more sustainable land use practices there. And it often involved restoring some of the old buildings, um, cultivating the cultural tourism, uh, the cultural heritage, um, so it could attract tourism. And after after doing that for about six to nine months, I returned to Australia, and and still wasn't able to find a job in sustainable urban planning, unfortunately. So I started working in tech and with a small investment fund, and we were predominantly consulting to early stage um, tech companies and investing in some of them. And eventually I came across a, a project called Matter, who was using technology um, to create more sustainable cities. And I thought it was uh, a great fit for me so um jumped in not long after i i met the team that's awesome and thank you so much for sharing a bit more on your background as well with us and so i guess going back to australia and no doubts after having all those experiences you would have seen quite a significant significant difference what are some of the stats on waste management here in australia that you that you know of yeah so um I think the main the main one that sticks out to me and why why we're trying to um, apply ourselves to um, the waste problem is that here in Australia we're one we're some of the worst wasters in the world. In the first world, everything's um, has single packaging, uh, and you know in in more dense um, cities uh, they uh, there's real constraints around um, how much waste that they can produce because. In some countries, they, they just don't have places to take it. Uh, we're here, we can drive outside the, the, our cities and dig a big hole and, and bury it, uh, which is clearly uh, not the best practice uh, and a little bit lazy, but you know, it's because of all of our land um, and it, it makes us a bit lazy. So yeah, the main one is that we produce way too much waste uh, here in the West. And, you know, a lot of that's made up of food waste and many of our states and territories are moving towards having a third compost bin on our curbside collection. The interesting fact about food waste is that it, once it's buried in landfill, it produces methane, which is um, far more potent than um, carbon dioxide. So, yeah, moving that out of landfill and, and being able to process it for you know, agriculture or farming is a much better option. What's also interesting here in Australia is that we used to send all of our um, recycling, uh, most of our plastics recycling and metal recycling to China. But a couple of years ago, they stopped accepting um, our, our waste, our, our recycling, and unless it was really quite pure. And this has... Uh, we're still dealing with the flow-on effects from this, meaning that we, we don't have many places to send our recycling anymore. So we have to build 
local capacity to be able to process our plastics and metals. Um, and we currently just don't have the, the infrastructure. And lots of it's being stockpiled. Lots of it's being sent to Southeast Asia and there's really no accountability then about what happens to it. Yeah, um, yeah so it's a, a little bit of a sticky situation, but there are a lot of initiatives building our capacity, but you know, this doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a multi-year thing. Yeah, definitely. And do you know some of the reasoning behind why China has stopped purchasing our waste? Uh, I think, as I understand it, that they were sick of getting dirty um, recycling and mm. um, poor quality. They still accept it if there's like a, um, a contamination rate of less than half a percent, but uh, otherwise they, they don't really want to clean all of our, um, the yogurt out of our containers or the <laughs> peanut butter out of our jars, you know. They, I'm sure um, they've got enough <laughs> recycling to process for themselves as they um, they've developed. Yeah, definitely. And it's been interesting seeing like the, the fashion industry use some recycled products as well to make into fabrics for like mm -hmm. tights, for example. Um, but then again, that's also a lot of energy that goes into manufacturing all those products again. Which, yeah. yeah. We see a lot of companies now that, uh, you know, from a top-down perspective, uh, are mandating that their products are going to have to have, you know, a percent of recycled materials in them, um, you know, whether it's 10, 20, 30 or 50 percent, um, which then gets the ball rolling and, and um, creates a market for these recycled materials. and it's certainly going to be the case in the future when we reach an inflection point where recycled materials um, are, are just as cheap, if not cheaper than, than virgin materials. And whether that's in five years or 10 years, not really sure. But as we get better at managing our, our recycling and the cleaner it gets, um, uh, that's when we're going to start really seeing um, you know, a circular economy. Yeah, I love that. And like relating it back to, so the podcast is, I guess, about how our actions are affecting the environment, how that affects our own health as well. So throughout your travels and with all the experience you have, um, have you seen any, uh, I guess, side effects from improper waste management and how that affects our health? Like I've heard some things about skin irritations and respiratory problems. Yeah, good question. In, we're, we're pretty lucky here in Australia because it's um, managed pretty well. Um, but I know in many of the countries where we send our recycling, um, our dirty recycling, that they're often the butt of the uh, environmental impacts of, of sending our waste there because, you know, it's not managed very well there. Uh, and it's often hand-picked and sorted and cleaned, um, often without personal protective uh, gear and you know, if it's not managed very well, it can easily pollute the earth and um, the water where, where water runs off through the, the collection points too. So, yeah, I think they're really seeing the, the worst part of our inability to process our, our waste and recycling. Thank you. And I love that you mentioned the circular economy as well. And I feel as though matter plays a big part in making that happen. Can you tell um, our listeners a little bit about Matter and how you're using it as a platform for this? 
Mm, yeah. So Meta um, specializes in waste data intelligence and one of our co-founders has been developing smart sensor technology for about eight years now. And, you know, the first iterations of our sensors were as big as shoe boxes. Uh, and we still have a couple of them up on the shelf, which are quite amusing to see. And now they're getting down, you know, smaller than a matchbox um, to put sensors and collect waste data. And, you know, the purpose of the company is to help everybody manage waste better. And at the moment, um, there's really a deficit of information and data about how much waste we produce, how we produce it, the quality, um, the quality of that waste, how, how, um, how, how contaminated it is. And, you know, using data, edge level data, we can start making better informed decisions about how we manage it. And this is particularly important as we move towards the circular economy and our waste stream turns into a commodity stream. And to be able to effectively, uh, effectively manage that, um, that supply chain, um, we do need um, data all the way along and better understanding about how to manage it. And you know, that's the overall um, picture of matter. And I guess where we're starting is in helping local government first of all, manage their public waste. Um, so bins on the street, in parks and postal areas. And at the moment, the waste operations teams have to drive around and check thousands of bins um, every week. And only a small percentage of them may need emptying. And it's because they don't have any edge level data. And you know, this can result in negative environmental impacts because if bins are overflowing in coastal areas in our parks, well, you know, it's, it's not really a great outcome, but if they know which bins to pick up when, then we're doing much better. And I guess the, the big picture thing that we're working towards is to help everybody manage the waste better, not just people managing commercial waste. And that means having a sensor inside your household wheelie bin to understand how much waste you're producing and the quality of that waste. And at the moment we have, you know, waste, uh, we have electricity meters, we have water meters and gas meters, but our household waste is really unaccounted for. And this is at a time when we really need to be improving over the next decade, moving towards um, a circular economy and people need to be rewarded for their good behavior as well and incentivized at the moment in Australia, we, we, we pay about $200 per tonne to send our waste to landfill. So if we can reduce our waste, even by a kilo, it means there's an incentive left in the system. They can go back to those that are doing well. So an example of this might be if you're producing, you know, very little waste in your home, um, recycling, composting, everything, doing, doing a good job in your neighbor, he doesn't care, <laughs> he's putting everything in the bin and um, it's all going to the tip, then really you shouldn't, you shouldn't be charged the same amount um, for your waste mm. services. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, here at home we've got probably about six different bins <laughs> for different types of waste, but even then it's still based on the assumption of what we know. It's not really, I guess, actual data and like where are we actually putting this in the right? category and we're lucky enough to be close to a waste management facility where we can take it there 
and like what are the tips that you can give to everyday people i suppose that don't really know much about this mm, yeah good question um well it's it's interesting and it can be confusing because every council um has different policies and process the recyclables differently they collect different things and you know i think one of the main thing is uh, two of the main things sorry is first of all if you can compost um do it you know uh 30 of our uh, municipal waste that goes to landfill is food waste and that produces methane and if we can divert that and you know compost it and then use it in our gardens that's that's a massive saving straight up uh, secondly one that sticks out for me is uh, soft plastics so often our councils um don't don't accept soft plastics because they they really are quite difficult to process often they're dirty and they're you know stuck together and um, it's commingled and it's really hard to manage but there are collection points often at Woolworths and Coles where you can collect your soft plastics like cling wraps and and plastic bags and you know every month uh, dropping it off there will also substantially reduce your waste and um, before you know it you'll be putting uh putting barely anything into your green bin into your waste bin yeah definitely i've started um talking to a few people who are into permaculture and um, it's quite interesting some of the practices that they do as well and like some people have different a few different compost bins depending on which which crop they're putting the compost into uh, yeah but, yeah, that's really granular. It looks really great that they're doing that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And in terms of matter, like it, mm. is the device something that everyday people can purchase or is it um, something that you're dealing with with um, in councils to get it onto everyday, um, onto residential bins, sorry? Yeah, good question. So we don't really... Um, we're not really going to be selling to individual householders. Um, it's going to take a lot of effort to sell hundreds of thousands of census to individual people. Um, but we more want to partner with local governments and work with them over your know, three, five, seven year time plan to help them reduce their municipal waste. So, you know, we we're selling to them to put um, census firstly in, um, general waste bins because there's, a, there's obviously a lot of taxes and costs associated with um, processing that and, um, and burying it. But, you know, the big picture is to help them manage other things like their um, composting, as well, like their um, green bins as well. So at the moment, as I said earlier, many councils are moving towards a place where they're, um, they're collecting food scraps and, and composting it. And there's an interesting situation that can arise that if there's um, contaminants in that and the truck picks up that, uh, that bin and puts it in with the rest of the organics in the back of the truck, then it can turn that whole truck full of um, what's essentially a commodity into a liability in seconds. So if there's a glass jar or if there's some metal into, in your composting bin, the, the council services, then you know it blows out the cost by 10, 20 fold um, as soon as they tip that into the truck. So we're doing a lot of research and developing it at the moment to see if we can detect that at the source and, and stop it entering the waste stream 
So then householders can rectify that and you know potentially take that glass out or that can that contamination out if it's batteries or polystyrene or, or whatever. And that's really the our big goal. Um, and yeah, we're working with councils towards towards that goal. And if we're able to do that, you know, it would allow us to really systematically and incrementally clean our waste streams towards a circular economy, um, almost in an automated way. So an example of how this might play out is that if a contamination does accidentally go into your bin or um, you would get an alert to your mobile app saying, hey, um, we're not picking this up this week because um, your bin's contaminated. Um, take it out and we'll grab it next week or you know on the other side hey you know you haven't had any contamination in your bin all all year you know maybe you should get some of the money back that we've been able to to sell um, that compost for so it goes both ways um, and yeah that's uh, really what we're working towards I love that and yeah definitely changing behavior and in a positive way as well as such a massive um, massive change, which is awesome. Thank you so much. And so how, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, to get involved within the different, um, within the initiatives that you guys are producing or how can everyone support you and encourage yeah. local councils to get this in, <laughs> into implementation? Yeah. The, the, you can contact us through our website. It's matter.city. Uh, and you know, we're just, um, Proving the different business cases at the moment, um, particularly the residential one is the one that we're most excited about. And um, we are working with councils um, for their public space bins. And also um, what we're starting to look at is commercial facilities such as theme parks and shopping centers and helping them manage their waste better with, with edge level data. So, yeah, we're doing quite a few different things. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to contact us or have a chat, I'm always open to, open to doing that for sure. Awesome. Thanks so much, Blake. No worries. Thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me. I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. And I'm excited to catch you at the next episode.